Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. We're going to pray and jump right in. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, sir, for another opportunity to look into your word, Father God, and be taught. And Father, we just thank you. We receive revelation, knowledge, and insight of your word, Lord God. And we thank you that you have given us all the grace to be doers of your word. Thank you, Lord, that our minds are being renewed, Father, and you are producing in us right believing which leads to freedom, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of my message tonight is Free to Obey. Free to Obey. Amen. And so in our relationship with God, I don't think any of us will argue that our obedience is important, all right? I don't think anybody will argue that. It can't be overstated that our obedience to God and our relationship with him is vital. And so our obedience to him is a demonstration of our submission to his authority. Amen. God is, we call Jesus Lord, and so he is the supreme in authority, and we ought to submit to him in obedience. Our obedience is also a demonstration of our trust in him, okay? We demonstrate the fact that we trust God when we obey what he says. But the interesting thing about obedience is that if you have wrong believing about the purpose of obedience, it will hinder the freedom that Jesus came to bring you in your relationship with God. God wants you to know that you are free in your relationship with him. And if you got wrong believing about why you should obey God, it will actually produce bondage and again hinder you from experiencing the reality of freedom that you have in your relationship with him amen and so I want to talk about that tonight I want to talk about that because I want everybody to know that you are free to obey God and as we go through this message, I believe that the light will come on about what that means. So in order to explain this and expound on this and in order to articulate this, I think it's important to talk about what obedience is not first. So in fact, most of this message is probably going to be speaking, we're going to talk more about what obedience is not, because in terms of what obedience is, it's very straightforward. And by the way, before we proceed any further, let me just let you guys know that this is in no way an exhaustive message. This is a very abbreviated message because I'm bound by the clock. 
I cannot expound on it the way that I would like to. I'm not going to be able to touch on everything that I want to, but I believe that everybody watching is going to get out of this what God has for you. Okay, so all of you biblical scholars out there, give me mercy and grace because you might be thinking, well, obedience also is da 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 da. Just calm down. I'm just doing what I believe the Spirit of God wants me to, to do tonight and go in the direction He wants me to go in tonight. Amen? So, in order to break this down, you must first understand that your relationship with God is uh, framed by covenant. You got to understand that for this to make sense. Your relationship with God and my relationship with God is framed by covenant. Now, the, the, the foundation of our relationship with God is built on his love for us. His love for you is the foundation of your relationship with him. It says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 that herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Okay? So Jesus becoming the propitiation of our sins, God loving us and him becoming the propitiation of our sins is the reason we can have relationship with him. That's what made it possible for you and I to have relationship with him. So his love for you is the foundation of your relationship with him but covenant is the framework of that relationship covenant is the way that God relates to you all right and so let's def let's define covenant real quick just in simple terms it's an agreement between two parties two or more parties whereby each party agrees uh, to keep whatever the terms are of that covenant and biblical covenant covenants were uh, many times established by the shedding of the blood of animals which signified the fact that if either of the parties did not keep its terms if either of the parties did not keep the terms of the agreement or the covenant then they were worthy of death okay and so that's what the shedding of the blood of the animals signified and so by that, we can see that God, through covenant, is able to put his perfect integrity, his perfect faithfulness, his perfect character on display. Through covenant, he is able to put his perfect integrity, his perfect character, his perfect uh, faithfulness on display. Amen. It says in Psalm 89, 34, unfortunately, we will not be able to go. I got too many scriptures that we have to look at, so we won't be able to go to every one. But I, at, I encourage you to uh, take note of the verses and look at them in your own time. But Psalm 89 and verse 34, God said, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. Amen. And so covenant is the way God shows us how perfectly faithful he is and how his character is flawless. His integrity is absolutely perfect. 
Amen. And so go to John chapter 1 and verse 17. John chapter 1 and verse 17. Let's look at something here. This is very important for us to understand. John chapter 1 and verse 17. This scripture right here is pivotal. Amen. Uh, it says this, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay? And so the Bible, most of the Bible is, 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 is uh, separated into two parts, the old covenant and the new covenant. Amen? And so there's other covenants in it, but I'm saying the main thing is the old and the new, and uh, the old covenant is generally speaking of the law of Moses, the law that came through Moses. And then Jesus ushered in the new covenant with his own blood. With his own blood, he ushered in the new covenant and established it. All right? And so we can see in this verse that it's talking about two different covenants because it mentions two mediators of the covenants. One is Moses, the other is Jesus. Let's look at that Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19 and 20. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 19 and 20. All right. It says this, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament. That word testament is also, also means covenant. This is the blood of the covenant which God has enjoined to you. I just wanted to show you guys that the law of Moses was a covenant, and that covenant was in force from, we could find it going into force in the book of Exodus, and it goes all the way through the life of Jesus. That covenant, God was relating to them through that covenant for that period of time. I think it's a span of uh, some 2,000 years or so. All right? And so, Look at, go to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Because once Jesus shed his blood on the, at Calvary, the new covenant was ushered in. So while he lived his life prior to going to the cross, the old covenant was still in force. It says that in Galatians chapter 4. But look at what this says. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 says, But now he, Jesus, hath obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of a what? A better covenant, which is established upon better promises. You guys stay with me. The Spirit of God is building his, is, is having me build a case for you guys for the title of this message, Free to Obey. You are free to obey. I'm just building this up, so just stay with me. All right? So now uh, we can see that these, again, I just wanted to show you guys that these are two different covenants that's spoken of in John chapter 1 and verse 17. And by the way, in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, when it says a better covenant, it means better in every way. Not just better over here, but the rest is the same as the old. No better in every single way. 
And I like how Pastor always says that the new covenant includes all the promises of the old covenant and the new covenant. Amen. That's good news. Glory to God. Okay. And so, guys, I love this. Remember, this is midweek Bible study. So we're going to study the Bible tonight. Amen. So I hope you all came hungry to eat of the word. All right. So now. Here's the thing about the Mosaic law, the covenant that came by Moses and the covenant that came by Jesus. They are totally different from each other. Go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. This is important, guys. God wants you to know this. Jeremiah chapter 31 in verse 31 and don't have an attitude I already know this that tells me you really don't you don't you may know it but you don't have revelation of what it means it's not enough to know it's good to know but it ain't enough to know you got to let the spirit of God bring revelation to your heart about what it means all right and this is Jeremiah Jeremiah was a prophet who operated in his ministry under the law of Moses the covenant of the law was in force when he was um, in the, when Jeremiah was in his ministry but the spirit of God began to prophesy through Jeremiah about the covenant that Jesus would bring that you and I are now a beneficiary of and this is what he said behold in verse 31 behold the days come saith the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt which covenant they break although I was a husband to them saith the Lord now in the King James when it says not according to the covenant that means it will not be like the covenant that I made with them when I brought them out of Egypt he's speaking of the Mosaic law when he came when they came out of Egypt that is when the, uh, God gave the law to Moses okay so he's saying it will not be like the covenant that came by Moses the covenant of the law he said but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days said the Lord I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest of them saith the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their and and I will uh, remember their sin no more okay now I want to read that same passage I'm sorry not the same passage I want you guys to go to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to read it from the NLT. You guys go to Hebrews chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 8 through 12. And I'm going to read it from the NLT. Hebrews chapter 8. I got to get there. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 through 12. And it says this. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. It was a, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I was about to go somewhere. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws, plural, in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they will not need to teach uh, their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never re again remember their sins. Amen. So he said that twice, that it will not be the same type of covenant, right? Did you guys see that? It will not be the same. These are two different types of covenants. Amen. And so uh, what are some of the differences then? So the law of Moses, catch this. You guys have to catch this. Remember, your relationship with God is built on his love for you. But covenant is the framework of your relationship with him. Okay? So the law of Moses, that covenant was a very conditional covenant. And it was a very conditional way that they related to God and he related to them. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Very familiar passage. I'm going to read it from... Uh, the NLT as well. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. Amen. So we're talking about you're free to obey. And like I said, this will make sense as we go through this. It'll begin to unfold to you. The light of it will begin to shine to you. Amen. So, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. This is what God said. Look at that first word. Well, the first word in the NLT, it says, if, <laughs> right away, you can see that this is condition. Now, Moses had just given them all of the commandments in the law. And then this is what God came and said. If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. And he goes on and on and on and on. And then verse 9, he reminds them, If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways the Lord will establish you and then he just goes on and on and talks about um, 
all of these. And then in verse 13, if you listen to all these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And so it's promise after promise of blessing. And then in verse 15, it says, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey, all the, command, all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come over you, come on you, and overwhelm you. And for the next, I don't know how many verses, all the way to verse 60-something, he announces all these curses if they, do, if, they if they walk in disobedience to him. Amen. And so the good news about that, about the curses is Galatians 3, Verse 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. This is what he's talking about. All of these curses in Deuteronomy 28 and anywhere else in the scripture. Christ has redeemed you from it in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. And so, but the new covenant, if you look at the terms, go to Hebrews 8 again. Hebrews 8 again, verse 8 through 12. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8 through 12. So the, the covenant of the law, you could see that it said, if you obey, if you obey, then you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. That's what it says. And so look at what he said in verse uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, for finding fault with them, he said, Behold, in verse 8, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the one I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And so, in the old covenant of the law, it was, if you do this, if you do that, if you do this, if you do that. But in the, the new, in the new covenant, God is saying, I'm going to do it. I will. I will. I will. I will. That's why you don't see any if clauses. Because God will certainly do what he said he would do. He doesn't need any if clauses. And so you can see that the old covenant was a conditional agreement that was based on Israel's performance. It was a performance-based way of relating to God that was dependent and contingent upon their obedience to him. The new covenant is based on God's performance. And the part that we have to play in the new covenant is being fully persuaded that God, God will do what he said. Just our part, in other words, is faith, living by faith trusting that God is going to watch over his word to perform it in our lives. Amen. Glory to God. And so um, here's the thing you got to remember about the law. Nobody was able to keep it. In Acts, everybody failed at it. It says that in Acts chapter 15, 
verse 1 through 10. Let's go there. Acts chapter 15, verse 1 through 10. In this account in the book of Acts, the Gentiles, they, you know, the Gentiles are coming into the kingdom of God. God is, they seeing salvation being released on the Gentiles. And so all of these Jewish believers, all of the disciples being Jews who have been relating to God under the law of Moses, they don't know what to do. They like, oh man, so do they need to keep the law or whatever? So they trying to figure all of that out. And so look at verse 15. I'm, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. So they having a conference, and this is what happened. It says, uh, actually, no, I don't know if this is the conference yet. But anyway, verse 1, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, taught the believers, people that was born again, uh, and said, Except you be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, after, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. See, they trying to figure it out. All right. And so I'm going to skip down a little bit. Um, let's see. Verse 5, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. So it was Pharisees believing on Jesus and being born again. But there some of them rose up that said uh, that it was needful to circumcise them, meaning the Gentiles, and to command them that they should keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And listen to, listen to this. Verse 7, and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know that, God, that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, uh, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did to us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Nobody under the old covenant was able to keep the terms of that agreement. None of them were. Not one person. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so I just wanted to show you guys that. So therefore, what had to happen was in Matthew chapter 5, 17, Jesus came and he said, I'm going to fulfill all of the terms of that covenant on your behalf. And he did. Matthew chapter 5, 17, Jesus walked in perfect obedience to the Father. And because of that, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says that all of God's promises are yes and amen to us in Christ. Why? How can he just say that? How can it be that all of the promises, even under the law, were are yes, just automatically? God is saying, yes, you can have that. You can have all of these promises of blessing and favor. Why could he say that? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. And because you and I are born again and we are in him, we have become partakers of his obedience. And so God counts it as us fulfilling the law of Moses. Amen. 
Um, let's see. I don't know if I have time to show you that principle in the word, but in Hebrews chapter seven, verses one through 10, you see the principle of identity. Amen. And so in that, you can see that. Matter of fact, let's go there. Hebrews chapter seven. Hebrews chapter seven, verse one through 10. I want to just show you what this what this is saying. I might not read all of these verses, but you guys can read them on your own. Uh, it says this, Hebrews chapter 7. And he's talking about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek and how that the Levitical priesthood, when the law of Moses was enforced, they would receive tithes of the people. Okay? And then he goes on to say that we have a high priest. Now Jesus, our high priest, receives our tithes in heaven when we tithe. All right. And so in doing that, God had ordained in the law of Moses that all of the priests would come out of the lineage of Levi. Levi, Jacob had 12 sons and one of his sons name was Levi. And God said, I want all of the priests to come out of his lineage. OK. And so the priests will receive the tithes from the people. And this is what he said in verse. Let's look at. Uh, Verse 8, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 8. It says, And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, talking about Jesus, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may say, so, so say Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. And so we see Abraham bringing the tithe to a priest named Melchizedek under the old, you know, in the book of Genesis, even before the law of Moses. Abraham brought his tithe to Melchizedek. And then Levi, who was not yet born when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, God said, Levi, who was not yet born, paid tithes in Abraham because he was yet in his loins when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek so he became a partaker of that because he was in Abraham so now we are in Christ and so we become a partaker of everything Jesus did on our behalf amen and so that's why we can see that our obedience is not for the purpose of us earning the blessing and favor of God because it's already our inheritance in Christ because of Jesus and his obedience. Amen. Go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. The blessing and favor of God and all of his promises are our inheritance. You do not earn an inheritance. An inheritance is simply given to you. Amen. So this is our inheritance. Look at chapter, uh, Colossians 1 and verse 20. I think I might have put the wrong verse on here. Uh, I think I meant Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. I'm sorry, not verse 20, verse 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. And so uh, 
This is all of God's promises and all of his blessing and favor is our inheritance because we in Christ and they are received by faith. We simply put faith in what Jesus has already done and we receive the promise by faith. You line your mouth up with what the word has to say and you speak it over yourself. Amen. And there's a lot more to it. Like I said, I won't be able to touch everything about this. But I wanted you guys to see the purpose of your obedience is not in order to earn the blessing and favor of God. All right? And so also our obedience is not for the purpose of us being right with God. Your obedience and my obedience is not what makes us right with God. Go to Galatians chapter 2. In verse 16, I'm going to read that from the NLT as well. Galatians 2 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Now, in the book of Galatians, uh, what's happening is Paul is writing a letter to the Galatian churches to warn them against going back under the law as a means of relating to God, that that covenant is over. There is a new and living way. The new covenant is in form. And do not go back under because people were coming to the Galatian churches saying the same thing. You got to be circumcised. And Paul was saying, if you do that, if you, tr if you do that in order to be right with God and to be saved, you got to keep the whole law. You got to do the whole thing. Amen. And he's saying, don't do it. And look at what this says in verse 16. NLT. It says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. It can't happen. In verse 21, he said, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Amen. And so your obedience is not what makes you right with God or keeps you right with God. Jesus obedience did that amen it was Jesus obedience that did that so that's not the purpose of you obeying God go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 let's look at one more thing about that Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 we get into why you need to obey God I promise you still need to obey God we get into that all right so Look at this. It says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's talking about Adam and Jesus. One man's disobedience made you a sinner in the sight of God. And one man's obedience is what makes you right in the sight of God. Not many, not your obedience plus Jesus. Jesus don't need your obedience to help him make you right with God, okay? So it's not your obedience coupled with his. 
His obedience ushered in everlasting righteousness. It was imputed unto you as a gift. And once God gives you his gifts, he don't change his mind and take them back. He said the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He's not going to change his mind and say, give me my righteousness back. He already gave it to you, and you are eternally righteous. Amen. And so, and it's all because of Jesus' obedience. Amen. So, believing that your obedience, another reason that you got to believe right about this is that believing that your obedience is what qualifies you to be blessed and favored by God or is what makes you right with God produces bondage. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 10 and 11, when they were having that conference and Peter stood up and said what he said, he said that he described the law of Moses as a yoke. Remember, don't listen. I need to say this because this is probably some people that's watching this like, well, I don't keep the law of Moses. I don't keep the feast. I don't wear tallits and do all the. Look, that, you're missing the whole point. The law was a covenant that was based on Israel's performance. That's the point, okay? So if you are relating to God based on performance, if you have a performance-based mindset of your relationship with God, meaning God is assessing and evaluating your obedience to determine whether you qualify to be blessed by him or to keep you right with him or whatever or to keep or to earn your his acceptance of you I'm telling you it leads to freedom it does not produce free I'm, I'm sorry it leads to bondage it does not produce freedom and so that's what Peter is saying that type of uh, relationship with God produced bondage it was a yoke around their necks Galatians chapter 4 and verse 24 says, I'm going to read this because I'm running out of time. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 24, uh, Paul said that the law genders to bondage. The law genders to bondage. And then in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, he said to the Galatian churches, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made, you, made us free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The entire context of Galatians is don't go back into a performance-based way of relating to God. Amen. Stand fast in the freedom that Christ has made you free. Okay? A relationship with God that's based on your obedience instead of based on Jesus' obedience is bondage amen so why then obey God like I said it's real simple and I'm just gonna hit a few of the main reasons but it's more than this okay but I'm gonna just touch on a few of the main ones the number one reason is because you obey I mean because you love God <laughs> it's amazing how people feel like that ain't a good enough reason to obey God you know, Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So love is the reason you obey God, because you know that he loves you and you love him. So you want to operate and walk in obedience unto him. Amen. That's why. Now, if that ain't enough, you got a problem, because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that if you do anything for God, and love ain't the motivating factor. 
it profits you nothing. So if you serving in the church, doing praying, all of that, if it's, if it's born out of a motivation that you're trying to get something from God, it profits you nothing. It ought to be because you love God. How do I know that? Because I'm married, okay? Anything my wife does for me, I don't want her to do it because she got to. Everything she do for me is because she loved me and she want to do it. And God said about our relationship with him that it's a picture of Christ in the church. He said in Isaiah 54, your maker is your husband in the new covenant. Okay? And so because you love God, that's the number one reason. Number two is it's going to get you into your purpose. Go to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, verse 16 through 19. And in this account, Paul is talking to King Agrippa. And he's talking about his conversion to King Agrippa. He's talking about how he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he's going over that account. And this is what he said that Jesus said. He's quoting Jesus in verse 16. And he said this. Listen to Jesus talking to Paul. Now, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. That's an awesome purpose, ain't it? But look at this. Jesus said to him, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this what? Purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles to unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now look at what Paul said in verse 19. Very critical. He said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision. So Paul said, I was obedient. I, I, I obeyed what he said. And because Paul obeyed, he entered into his purpose, and we know about him today. Thousands of years later, wrote most of the New Testament. Glory to God. And the same is true for your life. And also, last reason, it's going to get you to your place called there. Your place called there is where uh, is, 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 is your purpose. So, um, so just imagine this. Say somebody left you $10 million at a law firm. They left you an inheritance. A, a relative died. They, uh, you got a call. Hey, we got a $10 million check for you. And so they gave you the address to get there. You put it in your GPS. You obey everything the GPS tells you to do. Okay? And then you go, the G GPS say turn left, you turn left. It say turn right, you turn right. Go down a mile, you go down a mile. And, and you follow everything it say to do. And you're going to end up at the law firm. And then you're going to receive your inheritance. Your inheritance was already there, waiting. It would be crazy for you to say, yeah, it's because I obeyed everything the GPS told me to do, and because of that, I got this blessing. That would be crazy. It will be weird. No, you got, the, you got the inheritance because your loved one left it to you because they love you. You just you following the GPS led you into it. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to end here. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to end here. Verse 1. 1 Kings 17 and verse 1, and this is going to be it. 
I got so much more to say about this, but I can't. It's, it's, I, this, I gotta stop here. This is a series, actually, that I just crunched into this. It says, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Amen. Now, even though he's under the old covenant, this is a picture of new covenant obedience. Look, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence and turn eastward. Sound like a GPS, don't it? Get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Sharif, that is beyond Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have, past tense, commanded the ravens to feed thee there. In other words, I've commanded supernatural provision to already be where I'm telling you to go. And I'm telling you that God has already commanded supernatural provision and manifestations in your place called there, but you got to follow it. You got to be obedient unto God. It's already waiting for you. It's not about you earning the blessing and favor of God. It's already yours, but it's in your place called there. Amen. So I cannot go beyond this. This is the end, guys. I pray that y'all got something out of this, but I want you to know that you are free to obey. Do not, uh, don't have wrong believing about your obedience. You are free in Christ. Hold fast to that. Obey God and enter into the life and purpose that he already has ordained for you. Amen. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.